Questionable, a podcast exploring religion, asking difficult questions, and encouraging honesty. You can join the conversation at thatsquestionable.com, that's questionable podcast on Instagram, or at thatsquestionable on Twitter. Hey, welcome to That's Questionable, the podcast. Ethan, David, and Jim here. Good evening. How's Good evening. We're here in the uh, in the gear shed with guitars on the wall. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Should probably change them out every now and then. Did you guys ever notice the violin? I did. Oh, I've noticed it, yeah. There's a guy named yeah. Kirk King, um, who's a really wonderful person. Um, he's actually the brother-in-law of uh, Jason. Huh. At uh, work, um, uh, my boss. Right. And Our listeners are going to know exactly. That's a, right. Yes. I'm throwing out yeah. names that nobody's going to know. <laughs> to violin, and they anyway, can't see. Yeah, he uh, he made that. He's an Ohio State fan, and somehow he got a violin and he made that, and you know, just kind of put the clock in it and all that stuff. And I thought I was very appreciative. Just thought it was a cool gesture. So, the, so. for the for the uh, for the listeners, it's a red violin with no strings. Yeah. With a, uh, a clock in the middle of it, yeah, with the Ohio State logo yeah. at the bottom, yeah. go Bucks on that, and then what looks like a, a mutant ten, teenage. It's a Brutus turtle. the Buckeye. Brutus the Buckeye. It looks like a, one of those mutant turtles. <laughs> teenage uh, man giving the uh, mm-hmm. some sort of finger sign. I can't tell from here what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's but... a hello. How are you? You're number one. Okay. Okay, but uh, probably to Michigan fans. But, um, but uh, yeah, I just thought that was cool. So That's great. I don't know how, I've, but for some reason we were looking, I guess, yeah, we we're looking at the guitars and then I focused on that. David, so, your yeah. Braille is excellent. That's right. It is, yeah. Um, now, if, if that was a Michigan, if that had Michigan on it, would it be a fiddle? It would be broken. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it would not be in a shed. No, it would have been thrown, rocks thrown at it outside. <laughs> Oh, man. And why would you say that about Braille? Is it? Uh, I, don't, I didn't get the joke. Uh, you were describing uh, for those who can't see. Oh, okay. Okay, I got you. People that are blind. Well, or, Everybody's blind to that because yes, I can't see exactly. it. Okay. Yeah, well, right. this is a great podcast. Yeah. Hey, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, that's right. So There's at least tens of... Uh, of uh, a phone sitting next podcast. <laughs> Pause. Next. <laughs> no, just next. Next. That's right. Tens of them. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so uh, let's let's ask a question. Okay. Let's, something is questionable. Yep. Everything is. How about uh, let's let's ask a question about fatherhood. Here's the question: What should fatherhood look like? And I'm asking that from the perspective uh, of one of our one of our listeners uh, was listening to our conversation about hell last week, and and this thought was was sparked that um, in some of our discussion, you know, th- we're pointing to uh, God the Father, the perfect God the Father, and and what kind of father he is or he's represented to be compared and, and then let's have a discussion comparing that to uh us as imperfect human fathers and 
You follow me? Yeah, I can remember a, a pastor that will remain nameless did a series on this, and and one of the, his his main point of the message was that we have father scars from our earthly father, which we impose upon our godly father, and we look at an imperfect earthly father, and we we don't truly see God the Father because we will assign some of the characteristics of our earthly father to the godly father. Does that make sense? Heavenly father. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so, um, so, so misconceptions about God can stem from our, uh, our miss, our, how we have, have perceived our own fathers. Exactly. Or the fathers. That's a, that's a very much better, more succinct way to say it. Thank you. Good summary. (laughs) oh man but i i can you know i I can i can speak um to my father um you know uh when whenever whenever i deconverted i was asked the the question a lot how, how how were you raised and I've said this before on the podcast, but my dad was a minister, but he was never different at home than at church. He was he was uh, slow to anger. He was kind. He was um, he lived what I would consider to be sacrificially and consistently and in a loving way. And so um, I didn't have really those scars that other people did when they looked at God, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I get that. I, I, you know, it's interesting for me is again, I had a wonderful upbringing. Uh, my mom and dad, father were wonderful people. So, um, I never equated and maybe psychologically I did. I just don't know on a different level, but I never equated with what the way my father acted and, and compared that in the way that God should be. I, I always, you know, I always heard that God is your heavenly father, you know, but I, I just, I always felt like that was just a metaphor or a picture to describe somebody that's supposed to be, um, over you, watching over you, um, protective of you, um, trying to just trying to, um, give a, you know, just a picture that human beings can understand that that's what God was like. That's how I always kind of saw that. So, um, um, I don't, I don't know what that means to you guys, but, um, that's what I was, I, I just, hmm. that's kind of what I thought. Yeah. So. I think that makes um, sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's it seems that uh, that we've we've been taught what you were describing, David that that uh, that perfect fatherhood that God is a representation of perfect fatherhood, uh, and that we shouldn't um, attribute the imperfections of earthly fathers to Him, uh, but. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm with you, Nathan. I, I don't, 
I have never made that connection myself. In fact, um, it, and there, I, I know there are a lot of terrible fathers, you mm-hmm. know, terrible human fathers, abusive, you know, abusive. I mean, we, uh, you know, some of us in this room, uh, you know, have that very close. Yeah. Uh, you know, really, really bad fathers. Um, but sitting here thinking about it right now, uh, you know, I wonder if it's, if it isn't, you know, backwards from what we've been saying so far is that our, our terrible fathers, uh, getting their interpretation of fatherhood from what they've been told about God, you know, based on our, our discussion last week about hell, uh, you know, the, the God of the Bible, the God that that's represented in the religions that we've, uh, that we've been brought up in, uh, is not, uh, a good representation in my mind of what a, a good father is. Um, you know, I, I, I don't see, uh, unconditional love. I don't see that willingness to sacrifice or, uh, or to do whatever it takes for my children um, from that representation. See, see, I hadn't really looked at it like that. That's an interesting way to state it. I'd always thought in terms of would I treat my children, would I be the kind of father to my children as God has been to, to the God of the Bible was to the, to the what even currently going on if you know, today the way people venerate the father and, you know, a lot of bad stuff happens. Um, but I hadn't looked at it that way. That's really the reverse of what I was thinking. So you're, you're, you're what you're saying is more of a, a modeling that, that some pastors and the way they treat their kids may be modeling God's behavior with their kids and, and that could be deemed as uh, some sort of abuse or some sort of. Yeah, you know. I, I would say absolutely abusive. Yeah. I think that if, uh, that if it's your, you know, I'm in charge and, you know, there's no questions asked and whatever I say goes and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the father and I will, uh, you know, I'm the final say. I think that that can be an abusive situation. Well, that's certainly the way God um, models marriage. Why? Why should we think it was any different with children? I mean, to, to in my mind, I think of 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 the way the 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 way it was set up in the Bible as far as marriage that you know, a woman is to be subservient to the man, and in many places in the Bible, they're basically property. They're supposed to be quiet, and um, and I, I think we see that really through to um, an example of fatherhood in the Bible. Well, and, and and to be honest with you, the you know if by the Old Testament law, you know unruly children were supposed to be stoned by the at the gate by the town elders you had to have been a father that fell in line with that line of thinking to agree with that and watch your stone, your, I'm sorry, your son be stoned your or child could be daughter. 
uh, I guess. Or I don't know. Does the verse actually talk about just sons or does it talk about children? I can't remember. You, but, you, you probably wouldn't waste a stone on a daughter in the Bible. Yeah, back then. You'd, you'd find some yeah. other way to do it where you yeah. hurt the stone. <laughs> we only joke because it's probably true. It's probably true, uh, yeah. You know, but um, – yeah, so I mean, you would have to. I don't know what kind of father would ever fall in line with a law that would sit there and allow your son to be murdered. So, yeah. Well, and then, um, so would you? Uh, well, let's def- let's start with uh, let's let's talk a little bit about what a what a good father looks like. You know, what do you? How, how do you perceive? I know that each one of us strives with all of our heart to be a good father. I know that my worst nightmare, the worst thing I could imagine happening would be for my children not to, not to know how much I love them, how much I care for them, for them to ever have the thought that I wouldn't be there for them in any way that I could. Yeah. No matter what. I mean, no matter what, I'm I'm there. I am in your corner. I am I'm your biggest supporter. It is not predicated by anything you say, anything you do. Um, whether you return that love or not, uh, that's the way it is. That's that's my life's desire, my life's goal, and and. That involves sacrifice. That involves, um, you know, just taking the back seat every opportunity in order to to lift my family up. You know, I'm the father of two daughters, and I, I want to model um, the way I treat my wife and the way I treat my daughters in a way that, whenever they were to date, that they would want to marry somebody like me that, that showed them love and that valued them and, and really tried to lift them up and help them be the best that they could be. And, and my, my oldest daughter has done that. She's married a, a, an incredible guy that, that just treats her like a, like a, like a queen and loves her and, 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 and all that. And so, uh, to me, it's, it's living a life of, um, you know, sacrifice isn't the right word because that sounds like it's some kind of dramatic. I, I would lay down my life for them, but um, I think all three of us would in this room. But it's just showing them unconditional love and being, to me, it, part of it's being honest and, and being, I, I can't even tell you how many times I've had to apologize to my girls for the way I've handled the situation with them. You know, I, I told Emma one time that, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I've never had a 13 year old daughter before. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah. that, there's a, there's so much truth in that. You know I mean? We, 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 nobody, we're, we're not striving for perfection. We're just yeah. striving to love them, you know, the best way that we can to help to be their biggest cheerleaders to support them any way we can. And speaking of a of a father with two grown daughters, that doesn't go away. Doesn't go away when they get married. Doesn't go away when they move out of town. It doesn't go away. You still have that desire to to help them and serve them and support them and 
and and and try to and try to help them become the best person they can possibly be. Yeah. And know that they're loved. Yeah. That's right. I think that um I think that um being you know being a father and trying to love my kids um i've come to realize means that nothing's ever going to be perfect mm-hmm. um because we are human beings you know and interacting you know <clears throat> in that way you know i think i think one of the biggest things of being a good father is being there when our kids you know, screw up, you know, and I don't mean like you didn't do what I told you. I mean like, you know, Hey, they had a decision to make. They, maybe they didn't make the right decision, but being there and being absolutely forgiving, being realizing that we did the same things when we were their age or even now (laughs) in our age, but being there and going, Hey, it doesn't matter if you screwed up because you know, I still love you anyways. And so realizing that real love is, is understanding that I think nothing is ever perfect, will ever be perfect. And the reason I'm saying that is, is because you get this depiction a lot of times in the Bible that, the fa- that God as the Father is wanting their, his kids to strive to be towards perfection, mm-hmm. which is an impossibility. It will never happen. And so, which means it comes into an abusive relationship where a father has an expectation for his kids to be perfect or to hit a certain mark. You've got to be this way. Or my love is starting to become conditional. And the Bible absolutely has that there. I'm your father. You're my child. But if you don't believe this, then eternal punishment is waiting for you. And that relationship between father and, and child is really just rooted in absolute fear where perfection has to be the ultimate goal. And I think real love, nothing's perfect because it's rooted in forgiveness. It's rooted in you just don't care. You just want to be there for the people. Now you just for – your, for your children. But now you obviously want to, to – Walk with them and go, here, let me, let, let me show you something. Maybe this will make things easier the next time you do it. And you grow up together. You grow up with your children and they make better decisions. They make wiser decisions. They understand what those things are. But with the expe- expectation that, that perfection is really, it's never the goal. It's not at all what it's about. It's about just being in relationship and that's it. It's like they're going to make mistakes, but mm-hmm. um, part of what I try to do is is help them not to make the same mistakes I made. Yeah, so absolutely. So maybe they can borrow my knowledge to on save that. pain. To save pain, and then and then they're going to make their own, you know, bunch of mistakes. But mm-hmm. you know, if I can at least uh, help in any way I can to alleviate that, I'm going to do it. But um, so what? I, I I just want to circle back around to what the way you phrased it though. So when I'm thinking about abusive fathers, the way they model themselves after God or that we're we're not saying that we're just, we're just putting that 
throwing that out there as a as a as a discussion um, topic. Um, like I said, I've, I haven't thought of that before, but you know, really, there really is a lot to that. I think because there are so many instances in the Bible that I I look at and I think I would never treat my kids this way. I would never treat my daughters this way. And and I see that modeled by fathers on earth. And uh, I mean, where else would I see it? Mm-hmm. Earth. Yeah. Um, but I think in terms of um, fathers that can that can rule their homes with an iron fist. Uh, that that as the father, I'm I'm right. You've got to submit to me. Um, if if I as a father ever said. Man, you're so weak. You can't uh, you can't accomplish anything without me. When you do things that are right, it's my glory. When you screw up, it's your fault. Um, That's abuse. I would be considered abuse. I, abuse. I would be an abusive father if I said that to my kids. It's absolutely but, abuse. But we read it in the Bible, and that is a perfect, loving father. I don't think so. No. I'm out on that. Yeah, I agree with you on that. <clears throat> um. I just, yeah, I, yeah, the the only picture, the picture, when I sit here, I'm sitting here literally picturing in my mind going, okay, what is a loving father? Um, um, you know, I think a loving father just wants to be a part of the development of your child that wants to be part of conversation, um, you know, there's a natural trust that's built because of, you know, of that relationship. But yet at the same time, a loving father is not wanting to manipulate and control their children uh, into being exactly what they want them to be. And um, or wants their children to fear them or yes. And I, I really want to get to that point because if fear, you know. You know, I get it. You know, you have this earthly idea of fear like, you know, oh, if I do something wrong, you know, my my dad's going to say something to me or do something, you know, and I get that. That's just part of human nature. Um, you know, nobody wants to be reprimanded, you know, um, but, you know. Yeah, but, you know, I think it's uh, – I think maybe that would, you know, a good dad, uh, children or kids or offspring who have a good dad. um, I don't think it's fear. I think it's more, man, I don't want my dad to be disappointed in me. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. And, you know, I, and I couldn't be, I'm not going to be disappointed. I'm, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to hurt because they hurt. Yeah. Um, but, but it's, uh, man, I sure don't want them to be afraid. I interrupted you, Nathan. Sorry. No, 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 no. Actually, I think you did a great job of saying what I was thinking, (laughs) which happens a lot. (laughs) Well, let me, let me ask you a question. Um, we are all three fathers of daughters and I'm going to say something that is going to be 
you know, horrible thing to even think. But what, what if, as a father, we find out that somebody, um, our daughter is unwed, has never known a man, a virgin, and some guy rapes them. And according to the Bible, um, that man is responsible for paying a, dow- a dowry to the, to, the, to, to the girl's father and then is responsible for marrying the girl that he raped. Now, if, if people listen to this thinking, well, that's not in the Bible, that certainly is in the Bible. Uh, um, I'll, I'll look at the verse here in a minute. Um, but that to me is not only is she the victim of rape, but as a father, I'm okay with that daughter becoming the property of that man who's a rapist. And that's the way it was set up in the Bible under the law. And so I look at that and I go, I don't know any father, uh, that, you know, I'm looking for a knife or a gun because I'm going to be going after that guy. Something's going to happen. Either he's going to be in jail or he's he's going to be dead, but he's not going to be marrying my daughter and paying me money. And that, to me, is... I, I can't even imagine anything worse than that. Can't even imagine it. it, it, it this is a great example of where I think it's easy for everybody to agree the the law is not divinely inspired, mm-hmm. but was purely just a part of the societal way of doing things when it was written. Um, there's nothing divinely inspired about any of that. That's 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 not inerrant. You know, that's not uh, uh, coming from a being that is all knowing and all powerful. Um, that just, that's all just, loving. what's that? All loving. All loving. That's just not good. There's nothing good about that. Uh, and Christians will even defend that. They'll, they'll say, well, there's, there's three qualifiers in that verse. And I, I wish I could find the verse where it was. It's, um, I believe it's in numbers. I'll, well, after, after I finish saying this, I'll look for it, but they'll, they'll defend that and say, well, there's three qualifiers to that, that one is if the, if uh, if if she's engaged and she doesn't yell, you know, and it's in the city, then they both get stoned because I guess she could have yelled out and and it could be stopped. And then if she's not in the city, there's all these different qualifiers to it. But part of that verse is yes, if if she's unwed and she's not betrothed to somebody and he rapes her, then and nobody and nobody's there to hear it then because I guess her virginity is gone, she's of no more value to him, to the father. And so that, that man is responsible for basically buying her and marrying her. And it, it it's, uh, while well, you guys talk, I'm going to find that on my, on my phone. But, uh, that, that, gosh, I mean, is that, is that the model of fatherhood that we're supposed to look at in the Bible? Not for me. Nope, not for me. Yeah. <clears throat> it's funny, you, and, and not in a uh, humorous way, but uh, you just use the term, He's of, she's of no value now that she's lost her virginity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, 
transpose that to today's times? How how much value is still put on virginity in, oh, I, in religious circles? You know, it's like yeah. it's. Uh, oh man, I, I I remember when I was in high school, it was it was a big deal. Like you know, there was this thing that if somebody wasn't a virgin, they had lost value, you know, especially if the other person that maybe they wanted to get married was a virgin, that there was some kind of, there was a difference in value that was going on. And it was, it was a, it was alive and well, and I'm talking about, you know, I'm not old at all. I mean, I'm pretty dang young, but anyways, you know, back in the nineties, you know, that was, that was being talked about in churches, you know, and somehow, you know, fathers and mothers are going along with this and thinking this. Yeah. It's still that way today. Yeah. And I just, um, I, I don't, I don't get it at all. If you ever wanted your children to think they were losers and to think less of themselves, then by all means, believe in that. <laughs> so it's just horrible. Yeah. Well, let, horrible. let me reference this verse real quick because I, I found it. Now, I was hoping it was in Numbers, but it's in De- Deuteronomy. I hate saying Deuter- Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. They got it? The dudes. Mm-hmm. He did. It's, uh, it's chapter 22, 28 through 29. If a man happens to meet a virgin who is not pledged to be married and rapes her and they are discovered, he shall pay her father 50 shekels of silver. He must marry the young woman for he has violated her. He can never divorce her as long as he lives. I guess she can't divorce him because that's not allowed. If the rape victim was not bethroned, bethrothed, then the rapist faced different consequences. The rape victim was not. Uh, so in other words, um, she, not only does she have to marry her rapist, but it's for as long as he lives. So there's no, there's no way for her to divorce him. Like I said, there's other instances. Uh, and, and I was looking at this, this has got questions, biblical answers. And, and they, um, they just kind of throw that under the cult, is- ancient culture bus that you this know, is the old covenant, not the new covenant. Well, ancient culture that you know women were viewed differently and all that kind of stuff. Which, but then I again, thought, why are we using a Bible that's that far? Today? But I thought God was the same today, yesterday, and forever. It so. is for men. <laughs> I don't know. I was supposed to <laughs> laugh, but I am. <laughs> it is for men, but yeah. not for women. I get it. Right. So, you know. Right. Uh, straight white men, specifically. Yeah. <laughs> But I just, you know, it's is we're laughing because of the deep inconsistencies of moral thinking, <laughs> you know, here, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, you, you would very easily lose any court case, you know, in the court of law, <laughs> if you thought this way, like your logic falls apart within three sentences, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, you, you know, I just had a different thought in my mind, but what would people think of me if they found out that story, that that's the way that I handled that with my daughter? 
that, well, he raped her and someplace alone. So she wasn't married to anybody. So she hey, I, wasn't got, engaged. I, got, I got some silver out of the deal and he took her off my hands. Yeah. It's like, it's horrible. if somebody had found that out now, I would be, you know, you'd be canceled. I, I would, and rightfully so canceled. But I just sat there and thought for a minute there, the thought hit when I thought about that father doing that, making money off of it. You know, the one I thought of Donald Trump, <laughs> <laughs> that's the person I can think in this world that would do that. If I could make money yeah. off of it, I would. Yeah. Not only did you rape her, but you didn't rape her in my hotel rooms. You owe me for a room night. Yeah. <laughs> it's $3.50 a night. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it, and I guess what our points are here is is, is that the, we wonder why, you know, you know, Fathers, you know, fathers who deeply are embedded in, in the belief of the evangelical God, we wonder why there's a struggle there. You know, we wonder why um, we're quick to punish. We're quick to, um, you know, to judge, you know. Um, and, and, and I'm saying this because of the way I think, quick to abuse, be abusive, you know, because the pictures of the Heavenly Father in a lot of instances within the Bible, from the front to back, if God's the same today, to, you know, now, today, and forever, then this is the same God that this Heavenly Father has a tendency of abuse. Mm-hmm. It's an abusive way to think. Um, yeah. And it's hard to swallow. It really is. Um <clears throat> Why do you think people, why do you think, how do people look at the scriptures and then come away going, God is, that picture of God is perfect love? Well, uh, my opinion is that they, that they've created, they've created this God in their own image uh, these are people who want to be abusive. These are people who want to control others. These are people who uh, think more highly of themselves than they do others. And so they've, they've created a God in their image, and therefore they call it good. Therefore, if he's good and perfect, look at me. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and people buy into it all day, every day. We have a huge swath of, of our very own society trying to get back to the these religious, these silly religious things, uh, even today. You know, the, from from way back when. You know, the vow, like we were saying earlier, the value of virginity. The you know, they're they're enacting laws as we speak. Uh, you putting that on on women, putting that on girls. Um, it's, uh, he he said, well, if David, David did that, uh, responded that way with, uh, he'd be canceled. Well, he'd be canceled by, yeah, fortunately for us at this point, 70% of our society, but he'd be, you know, championed by 30%. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let me ask you a question about this. So let's say, Everybody knows, everybody believes that, that, that as a, as a guy with two daughters, 
that um, I have a incredible gift of being able to heal people. Okay, so I can literally heal people whenever I want to. Okay, and let's say my daughter has a couple of kids and she gets sick and uh, let's just say she gets COVID and she's sick and uh, everybody's asking me to heal her. Everybody's asking me to heal her. Everybody's asking me to heal her. And you absolutely could. I, I could literally blink. It's your superpower. I could just, it's my superpower. And uh, my daughter dies because I didn't do that. Can you imagine my friends, you guys, looking at me and saying, you healed her by, by, by taking her home, letting her go leave this earth and leave her kids. Glory to you because you chose to heal her while taking her away from her family. Nobody would say that. Nobody would look at me and say, well, in your perfect knowledge, you, you, you thought it was best that, that, uh, your daughter die who you love supposedly with all your heart and leaving your, her kids with, with no mother. I'm like, we hear that every day. If God, if, if they get better, because the doctors do such a great job, they get better. Praise God, God healed them. If they they die, uh, praise God, God healed them by taking them on to be with. Now, now they're never going to be sick again. Win-win for God. It's a win-win. Uh, I, I just don't understand that thinking. That's not the kind of father I want to be. So why are we emulating? Or, or, uh, or uh, lifting up a God who regularly chooses to, to, to not heal people that have sought him and are really trying to do the right things and live their life according to you, and you're just going to take them away. I just I don't understand that when you have the power to heal. It's like all these, these evangelicals that talk about all this healing they can do, and they never once just walk into an emergency room and start healing people. <laughs> I mean, the kids in the cancer ward, they're not going to go there and heal them. People who are unconscious can't tithe. That's right. Most of those kids don't, they're spending all their money on medical bills, so they don't have anything left over to give to the church. Mm. Why heal them? (laughs) Yeah, I think that, um, you know, um, it's funny how you can make the sub, you can keep going broader and broader and broader. In, in in this, but you know the the thing is, is we're talking about you know the heaven, you know, you know God as God as our Father, but you know which one of us would not heal our own children if we absolutely could? How much? Which one of us would not spend every dime we have and then borrow some beyond that to to have our have one of our children who are sick be healed? Mm-hmm. Of course we would. Um, and your point being a father is looking at his created child and going, yeah, I just, I don't see a reason to heal you. I see, you know, but then we go, oh, well, if one person came to God because this person died, the sacrifice of that father of that child is well worth it. And so again, we're back to God being 
in the business of human sacrifice, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which we've covered uh, before yeah, in previous, yeah, yeah. you know, episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's completely transactional. Yes. Yeah. It's and, completely and, transactional. You know, and how many times do you hear people say, yes, well, God just wanted her to be with him. Well, I thought he was everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you put it like that, it sounds bad. <laughs> that's not what I meant. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But but it is. But we can't get away. It's like at what point in time does God put on the hat of Heavenly Father? What time does and what point does God put on the hat of you know you know mer, you know justice or you know you know um, who exacts justice and punishes people? You know, it's like we love to interchange that, and it seems to me like Father is just one of many hats that we like to place on our version of God when it's convenient. And exactly. I, I tell you, when I, when I was a Christian, I, I was, I was not one of these. that was like, uh, I never thought it was a win if they died. Yeah. That was never a win to me. I was like, what? And I've heard that all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, 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 God healed, God healed them through, you know, this is God's will. This is, you know, he knows, we don't know the things that will happen because she died. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, you, you know, and it's, it's always the, uh, the ifs and buts, you know, well, well, if one, stuff. you know, if one person, uh, was saved, uh, which we probably need to have a discussion about that term one oh, day. Yeah. Pragmatism ends justify the means. Oh uh, no, saved. Saved. Uh, saved. Oh, okay, but, I see what you're saying. Yeah, but yeah. but so uh, if if one person was saved, then their death was worth it. And I, you know, as as the family member who lost this person, I I have to be uh, you know overjoyed at that. But I mean, some of these circumstances nowadays are are people. Uh, we're seeing people dying left and right uh, who have brought it upon themselves, who literally are refusing uh, to be healed by something that millions and millions of people have tested and know this is effective. And they're choosing that and they're dying from it. And, uh, <clears throat> There are way more people turning away from God, from their concept of God, because of that, mm-hmm. than are being saved because he died of this, and all or it, she no, died of this. Yeah, and, he, and, and that person, he or <clears throat> she is at risk of dying, but also at risk to spreading it to other people that are going to die. Yeah. Some people that the vaccine won't work for. So, you know, it's, it's not it's not like. You know, well, they would have the vaccine, they would live. Some people it doesn't work for. And so you're putting all these people at risk. It's like, really? This is where we are? I bet you if we could go, I, I, I would just like to go back 6,000 years to where, when this earth was just created <laughs> and just put right on a wall, a rock someplace. Get the vaccine, and somebody can dig that up, and they will know. Hey, we're supposed to get that vaccine. That's right. Yeah. Sorry, that was that was pure comedy right there. Just Everybody awesome. knows that the world is six hundred twenty-two, six thousand twenty-two years old, not yeah, six thousand. I know. Everybody yeah. knows that. Get the number right. Yeah, get the number right. That's right. I did the math. I actually did the math, and you know, I've worked it backwards. I did reverse engineering mm-hmm. on the Earth. 
And if, yeah, you're right. Six thousand twenty-two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're saying with such certain you you actually did the math and then you're asking yes him the that's exactly right. that's <laughs> okay. how certain it is yeah i am right. that's how certain i am i just count that the I layers need verification the... from somebody else okay. yeah you know i mean that's this is what we do right <laughs> yeah well satan also put that's all right. the fossils in the ground to yeah. mislead us yeah just to that's throw right that in there but yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I, you know, it's funny. I think we're, you know, we're joking around a lot because you, we, the three of us see a lot. We've seen a lot and we've heard a lot and we've been a part of a lot. And, you know, it's sometimes it's fun to joke around, but also at the same time, we do realize that people do suffer. There's a lot of people that suffer from the abuse, um, that, the heavenly father, um, that example that people portray, they take on that idea of the heavenly father and people in real life live in abuse. There are children who were beat because they have sinned. You know, there are, you know, women who are beaten by their husbands because they weren't uh, submissive. You know, there are uh, countless other ideas and, and, and stories that go along this because of the idea of a heavenly father. Um, because like you said, Jim, it's about, you know, it's really rooted in fear, in law, in, um, um, and I, again, I come back to perfection. And I think in reality, a loving father Actually, on Earth, with real children, um, um, and a spouse, is extremely contradictory to pretty much all of that picture that we get of fear and law, submission, those kinds of things. Yeah, <clears throat> not and and Nathan didn't mean uh, exclusive of of without of, of spouse either. He just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just. I was. You know, what's funny is I was saying that, and I was trying to include everybody, and I was excluding people. <laughs> so sorry about that. I did not mean that. I, I just I, there's there's one more story I wanted to I wanted to talk about here, and I, I don't know where we are in time, but um, but there, there's a there's a passage in Judges 11 where uh, Jephthah um, he makes that vow. He goes out and he he. Uh, he says, you know, if, if God, if you'll give me this victory, then, then, uh, whatever comes out of my door, when I return to my home, I will burn as a sacrifice. And so what comes out of his door when he comes home, first thing out, his daughter. And so he burns his daughter. And then after that, he was, he was, um, became a prestigious judge in Israel and was buried with what book is that honor in? judges, judges. And so I was sitting there going, man, that's not a good... Yeah, and he's upheld as a faithful man. Yeah, and I'm sitting there going, you know what? He's a murderer. Why, why wouldn't you <laughs> think that he really is going? getting back when we first started this podcast, he was modeling himself after God. Yeah, It's yeah. okay that, that people die like that. My children die like that. It's okay. I yeah. mean, I, 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 you couldn't have the first thing come out of the house be a scorpion? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I mean how... <laughs> What's the typical thing that comes out of his house? I mean, that's that's yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was thinking it was going to be a mm -hmm. clay pot. 
Yeah. Well, my mom, I can tell you, mine would have been my dog, uh, Ivy. And I, I, no way I'd burn her. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I'm like, I wouldn't burn a dog, much less my daughter. Yeah. Not cats. Never mind. Um, Omaha. 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 Yeah. Well, fatherhood. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't know if we landed the plane on it, but I think we got pretty close. I think we asked a question, and yeah, this is one I think we're all passionate about it because we we have kids and we love our kids, and there's nothing we would not do for them, and it just doesn't seem. And, and it's the apologist in Christianity that just continue to to defend. God just saying, well, you don't understand the ancient context, or you don't understand this, you don't understand that. Well, maybe none of us understands the Bible, because maybe we're not supposed to be following the Bible. I mean, maybe it's just not a book for today. If if we can't, uh, if we can't make sense of this stuff, maybe it's just not something we should be reading. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's all agree. I agree. (laughs) Nobody does. That's the point. It's like, okay, yeah, it is based in ancient societies, and therefore I need to interpret it for today's society. Yeah. Therefore, uh, you need to come here every week, and I will parse it out for you, uh, you know, a little bit at a time, and that will be how it relates to today, except that's happening in... You know, a million different places all over the planet, mm-hmm. all with different things being said and taught and understood. And it's uh, confusing at best. Yeah. Yeah. But but I, but I think love isn't confusing. I think it's pretty clear what love is. And I think many of the things that, that we're being told in those million places each week all over the planet uh, fly in the face of what we all understand is love. And just because mm-hmm. you call it love and say, this is love and, and this is what a loving father is like. And this is, you know, it's hard love and it's harsh love and tough love. And, you know, it's just like, yeah, no, that's not love. You know, no, we don't believe that that's love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. I, I Yeah. And it's not something too. I guess maybe we can encourage the listener that um, that it's not something that has been able. It's not something you just give into or think about for a night or two, and then you go, "Oh, I changed my mind." You know, it's like shedding the idea of the Father's love in the Bible across the entire Bible. Is something that takes contemplation and and thinking and realizing and you know it's part of that deconstruction because you have to come to a point where you go no I have to reject that that's not good that's that's actually evil uh, that's not good that's actually fear you know um, and then reassessing you know you know, what love really is in a real life situation when the rubber meets the road, how we treat human beings, including, you know, our own children. 
um, it's, you know, it's not something that we're sitting here just lightly saying going, Oh yeah, we do it. It's a daily thing that we strive to do and loving somebody unconditionally without fear or manipulation or control or all of those things. It's hard. You know, we want to do it. You want to do it, but at the same time, and it just takes real love takes continual, um, effort. And so I just want that to be encouraging to people who are listening, you know, that, um, um, you know, you're not alone. So, um, obviously this podcast is something that you can always reach out to, you know, to the, the connections that we always put on this, that if you ever have questions, absolutely. There's, there's always conversation to be had, but, um, we're not saying anything's easy. We're just saying that it's the right thing to do. Yeah, well, ask the questions. That's yeah. it. It's just delve in, ask the questions. What do I know to be true? And, yeah. and what am I hearing? Because, uh, if it, if it seems like they're in contrast to each other, uh, there's probably something there. Yeah. Can I, can I clarify two things real quick? And I know we're mm-hmm. trying to close, but, uh, number one, you know, one of the things that apologists say is that, you keep on bringing up Old Testament examples and the New Testament, those things are not in the New Testament. But there are equally horrible things in the New Testament. Let's not forget that that Herod, uh, according to the Bible, which there's a lot of, there's some contradictions on this, but certainly in Matthew, uh, Herod uh, went through and killed all the babies in Bethlehem. That certainly could have been stopped. God allowed all that to happen, murder those babies. Where was Jesus? Jesus was in Egypt. You know, if, if he could warn G, Joseph and Mary to go to Egypt, surely he could warn all of them. All of them that, hey, he's going to come kill. And there's there's several instances in the New Testament of of things like that where if you believe it was a different God in the Old Testament, New Testament, that's Marcionism, and that was ruled almost two millennia ago as being a heresy. So it's, it's the same Orthodox Christianity has those same, uh, it's the same God. God never changes. We talked about that earlier. So it's the same God. Number two, I just want to make it perfectly clear. I did not want mean to imply that it was okay to burn cats. So, uh, when I was talking about sacrificing a dog, I said, start to say cat. I just want to make sure I'm on the record as I'm against cat burning. Right. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure everybody knows that. Right. I'm and, against it. And, uh, it, please the, do not burn your the cat. The one person that, that would have rewound it four times to hear you say that under some, something. Now it's clear. Everybody's heard it. So. Everybody's heard it. Yeah. Unless right. they cut off the podcast right then. That's right. That's right. So I'm, I, I'm we could you. edit this to where it actually says I'm all for Burning cats. Well, but. we've we've made the decision that we're not going to be bothered with editing. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Raw. I say and Omaha. Unedited. I say Omaha, but yeah, yeah, maybe we need to call this. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, That's questionable. Yeah. Raw. That doesn't sound right at all. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Can we edit that yeah. out? <laughs> Omaha. Omaha. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, okay. Uh, okay. Since we're clarifying. Uh, and so we've, we've talked a lot about fear and not, not, uh, Mm -hmm. raising our children, not to live in fear, not to be fearful of us, but, uh, 
you know, from an honest standpoint, that doesn't mean that parenthood isn't fraught with fear. <laughs> you know, yes. you know, I took, uh, I took, uh, our daughter, Becca, uh, she's 17. Uh, this is fall break, uh, started this week and, and I took her to the airport to, uh, fly up to meet her mom up in New York, uh, yesterday afternoon. First time, I've ever put her on a plane by herself. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that was the hardest thing in the world to do. I mean, it just was, you know, and, and there was a good plan. It was an excellent plan, but, uh, you know, there's still, um, there's still room for man. Gosh, you know, I dropped her off at the front door, could watch her go in. I drove up to the cell phone waiting area and, you know, we all share that the 360 app, uh, yeah. with our phones, which is just a marvelous thing to have. Yeah. Uh, and just could see her progress through the airport. And she texted me when she got to the gate, Yeah, and, you know, and then, and then she's out of contact for the next two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah. And, in the air. Yes. And then, uh, okay, now I need to see her <laughs> mom's icon and her icon come together. Come together <laughs> yes. So that she's okay. You're right. Uh, she's with mom now. Yes. Okay, but well, and the fear of mm-hmm. wanting what's best for our children is a real thing. Yes. Yeah. In which we want to differentiate instilling fear in our children to be obedient to us. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. There, there's a big difference. Yes. I think the point is we, we, we would want for a God of the Bible to at least be as moral as we are, at least be as good a, of a father as we are to our kids. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see that in the Bible. Yeah, it's tough. And I don't see that in real life amongst the church and, and amongst um, the way Christians act. Just don't see it. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for being good dads. Thanks for being good friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's probably some good moms out there too. There are many, many, and probably more. Yeah. 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 That's probably true. More. True statement. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say they've had the advantage, uh, but uh, God as a mother is a great picture. I would think it makes a lot more sense. It does. It makes yeah. a lot more sense yeah. to me. Yeah. <clears throat> love. We have done a podcast on love, so we have. So that'd be something in our archives that you can everybody's had a lot to say about it. Yeah. Yep. Uh anyway. Thanks guys. Mm-hmm. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks for listening. Our greatest hope for this podcast is for you to join the conversation. You can do so at thatsquestionable.com, that's questionable podcast on Instagram, or that's question one on Twitter. and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of those casting the pod. 